Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Something About Farming Podcast. Wade Watson. So, we're going to pass the mic on over to the next person in line. It's the bull. Bull baits. That's all I got to say. You'll hear me in the rest of the podcast. Where are you from? I don't yes. want to talk about it. Out of the Wade, where do you live? I live in Olton, Texas. Dylan? Well, my name is Dylan Massa. I'm from Lamar, Missouri. I don't know what to say, Lamar or okay. Lomar? Lamar. Blake Bingham, Hobro, Oklahoma. The governor, governor over here from Lone Wolf, Oklahoma. He looks like Harry S. Truman. <laughs> or Harry Potter. So me, <laughs> me and Bull and the governor all live within 30 miles. Yeah, 30 miles. 30 miles. From then, here, it's 31 from our And then bar. Wade used to live in Hobart, but now he lives in Texas. And then Dylan's just a straggler from Missouri that we... 357 uh, miles. Dang. That is within one day of deciding. Before you put organic material down, what, what is this? Just dirt? Fescue that's ate off really short. So dirt. pretty much just bare ground. Pretty just much. bare ground, yes. And what is your organic material? Organic material would be uh, the weeds that we let grow, that we let the cattle stomp through feeding our hay, whenever we're unrolling hay. Uh, them cows, they just stomp it, and then they're putting that hay onto the ground that they don't eat. That's feeding the biology and the dirt. And then, so it's of nothing course, that you're spreading like through. Nothing that we're spreading, nothing that we're drilling. It's all natural. Uh, but my big thing is before, like, I would want to go and put a crop in, like, to a field to break a field out. I always, I always want there to be some kind of grass or a blade there. A forage beforehand. A blade. Not a broadleaf, not nothing. Just for the simple fact that it runs them veins, their roots. The root system on them things are little veins where if you go out and you put a a, a crop of corn or soybeans <laughs> or milo or millet, however you want to look at it, some kind of cover crop, that that then gives the veins, the small veins that cannot penetrate tight compacted ground it gives them a hole to go through in order to get out there you know to to put the the volume or the mass of that root structure to its maximum okay so let me answer this question to say on the ground that's what i'm talking about i'm going to compaction now say like you have some ground that you plant a cover crop on but it doesn't have a good tap root like you have to plow it no matter what if you want to get say you plant corn on it the next year and you like you, your situation like all the stuff that they silage through that they cut for they silage the yeah and they pack the trucks in and out what would you do in that situation say they get a whole pivot out they cut it for silage and trying not to plow whatsoever, how would you go about it? Like tr- plant, try to plant some radishes into it or what? So what I would do would be, you know, of course with my operation, there's always gotta be a water source because I am primarily cows, right? So what I would do is I would go in with a cover crop. I mean, they're government funded 90% of the time. Yeah, through FSA or NRCS. FSA. NRCS. 
NRCS. Yeah. I mean, yeah. our office is the same there at home. So they're together. Yeah. Well, same building. So what I do is I go in and I put, you know, radishes, turnips, whatever. But like you guys do to spray and kill and knock down onto the ground, I'd just go through and I'd control graze it, which is labor intensive, yes. But you get that, you let them, you let the radishes, you let the turnips, you let all them things really grow into the ground and get big to break up that compaction before you turn cattle in on it. And then whenever they eat off 50%, 60% of the plant, that organic matter that is in the ground from the radish or the turnips itself, that is then breaking up the compaction in the ground. And a lot of people say, well, what about cattle running over it and compacting it even more? It is true to an extent if you let them free graze the entire field. Too hardcore. Too hardcore, but if you're, you're moving them, you know, Rotationally every three days it. or every every day, however you want to do it. You always want to leave a third of the plant behind. Yeah, you're not, you're not hurting it any. Then you don't have to run a run something over it, like a tractor and and a plow or whatever to break it out. Am I against cultivation, plowing, breaking the ground? Absolutely not. But I personally do not want to fund it. I don't want to have to buy the equipment. I don't want to have to let the See, equipment like, depreciate, and I yeah. don't want to have to buy the fuel yeah. and pay somebody to do it. Yeah. Well, see, like these. These uh, cover crop uh, people, whatever, they say they don't plow, always plant a cover crop. See, like in our situation, so say all of our district ground, all the ground that irrigates out of the lake, it, the cotton gets ready end of October, beginning of November. By that time, like there's no point in planting the radishes because the Because freeze, they don't have enough of a growing season. Yeah, to the do freeze it. is going to kill it out. So like this last year, not this year, but the last harvest, it was a wet, it was a wet harvest. And we actually rutted up all of our district ground, all the bedded ground, we rutted it up. You can't help it then. You gotta yeah. go there. Yeah, so, you gotta go smooth it out. Yeah. And that's where we're sitting at home with having 80 plus inches of rain in a year. You can only imagine how many big four wheel drive tractors there were in every field or on every farm just to pull out combines, to pull out grain carts. Yeah, I believe pull out semis. In southwest Missouri, right? Yeah, southwest Missouri. I mean, we've had more rain than ever before. Uh, Doug Hetty in, in Joplin says 60, 66 inches. Well, that's Joplin. That's 35 miles south of us. At my place, we've had about 86. My neighbor, to the mile to the north, has had about 88. And my a neighbor to the mile, a mile to the south, or two miles to the south, has had about 81. So, Hot damn. the variation in the rainfall, we sit right by a, a big lake. I mean, we have a big lake on our property. So I start thinking about... Is this just a recreational lake or is it... No, I mean, we'll say recreational. Like, there's, there's houses on it. I mean, but it's just right in the middle of our property. Okay. It's the only piece on the section we don't own. How many acres do you think it covers? Probably 40-ish. Oh, okay. It's not like too big. It's not like huge. a big old reservoir or something. Yeah, it's not huge by any means, no. But my theory to that is how much, how much, uh, oh, moisture is that putting into the air for when them, them storms run through, help fuel that front a little bit more just yeah. in our immediate I air. totally believe that. I do too. 
all them guys around the Delta, which you're probably close to the Delta, around the Mississippi, they always get a rain. Every time a storm, like a rain, like I had a buddy that was telling me, like it will, it will die out, or a cloud will come to them, it'll die out, it'll get to the Mississippi, and fire, fire back up, and it'll back, come back to them, it'll back. It's like where it's green, it's keep trailing. Yeah. But where it's droughted out, it don't want to, you can't hardly Maybe we ain't living right. We need, <laughs> we, to, ain't. we need to go to church tomorrow or something, I don't know. <laughs> We talked about that a little bit in one of the other podcasts. But. I mean, there's <clears throat> there's so many variations into it. Like with corn, one of the nice things we can do with corn is we can fly seed on. And of course, whenever you're picking corn, that's what I was gonna mention. Whenever you're picking corn, I mean, you're not running your header low enough to hurt that plant because it's not big enough. But also, your tire tracks, you kind of wonder if that's really hurting it. But that's whenever I start outweighing the good from the bad. You know, does it hurt me more? Or does it does it help me more? And if it helps me more, the good outweigh the bad. I'm gonna do it. You think you hey, can fly on radishes and standing cotton? Dry land, I think you could. There's a guy. There's a damn good farmer north of here. He was a big uh, dry land farmer, and in August September he would intercede his cover crop into his cotton. He had a 12 row bar, and on ever on a uh, on his tractor, he had crop shields. Yeah. So it peeled the cotton plant back so, you know, he wouldn't actually run over, you know, the branches and whatnot. And on every row unit, he would have like a little shield that would peel the plants back to where he wouldn't, you know, hurt them. Yeah. And he would plant like rye, radishes. What's that other common one? Turnips. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, he would make... There, it was known for him to make three bales a lot on his dry land up there. That's crazy. Yeah. But here, I don't think you could do it because with the irrigation just gets the plant. I mean, it's like a dang, you're walking through a miniature forest. Just trees. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> cotton is considered a woody plant. How much do y'all have to pick to keep that cotton? I mean, there's, okay, so this year the D damage was just unreal. I mean, we couldn't believe how much we got hurt. There were some farms we didn't have to because the 2,4-D damage would kick it back so back. Like, it, you don't want to fix it. for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, and, is that getting to be the problem because of a lot more fighters and cotton, or is it you still think it's coming up from Texas? Both. I don't know. No way, no, nobody knows, like, the 100% truth. I don't know. Some people say it's in Texas because them got okay in Texas. Supposedly, it's by county. It, the rules change by county, so down there they can spray two four D all year round. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> so what but are you talking about? D damage. Two four D LV six. Okay. Yeah. D damage. That's a week. So when I spray anything, it's always amine. I don't remember mess with LV six. Yeah. It's See, and if we. There was some good phytogen cotton here. Some, I think it was a 480 and 490 varieties. I had 490. You did? Yeah. Did you do good? Real good. I mean, considering that we didn't have no rain. Yeah. It did pretty good. Yeah. And. It's the only thing that we had that really made. Right. And they said that variety did well. But even if we did plant it, we, I don't think we would, we still wouldn't plant or spray D on it. Even in list. I think the only thing we would put on is Cheetah. Or I mean, or Liberty. Cheetah's the, the generic. I think generic liberty. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just 
like dude when it it just makes me sick when you see that, that plant all shriveled up like all the leaves all the leaves are just i mean it just looks ugly makes you sick yeah, like sucks. my my farm it made three and a half just i just think like imagine if it wouldn't have got the damage because it sets it back it hurts the yield it has, oh, yeah, to. Yeah, it has to i mean it drops squares and bowls Imagine if it wouldn't have got any D damage all summer. I think I, I think it could have been it. pushing for it. Might have made a ton of cotton. That's crazy. Yeah, see, that's the crazy thing about <clears throat> flying on your cover, which you know, through talking to you and then through seeing your snaps, you guys always have cover on the ground. You know, right? We always try to have a live route. That's what we shoot for. Right. So, like twenty-four year round. Like, if you always have a live root, it's so much healthier for your soil. Oh, yeah, especially. But if but you don't nice have a live root, Mother Nature will put a weed there. Right, yeah. because it's, it's, trying, gonna it's yeah. trying to recover its ground because that ground feels hurt. Yeah. But see, that's, that's the... That's Satan weeds. Satan weeds. <laughs> see, that's, uh, that's the crazy thing. You guys, you know, you guys put on rye, you go and you kill it, and then you plant through it. What does it do? It all falls onto the ground. So here's my theory to that is, you know, that... That matter on the ground is gonna turn into soil. So if you fly, if you fly a some kind of seed onto it, whether it be radish, turnip, wheat, rye, however you want to look at it, it's gonna land into that matter. That matter will turn into soil, but that matter is not it's gonna fall through there. And that's keeping your soil cool and it's keeping it moist. Even if that seed lands on top of the ground, it will sprout and create a root system. But what percentage is going to come up compared to a drill plant it or, or a well, seed? Like we've had better seed. Like yeah. wheat like, seed, will, it's such a sharp little sheet seed you're flying it on, they say it'll drive itself right into the ground. That makes for sense. For the most part. But if, you know, a bigger seed won't, has a hard time penetrating the soil. Right. So. See, that's my thing is I'll imagine I can have, I can have <laughs> one of the better farmers around at home drill for me or myself going drill which god forbid i ever get on a tractor to drill again because last time i did i lost twenty two hundred dollars in seed <laughs> i mean it was rough <laughs> but i have a better luck I have, <laughs> I have a better luck flying it on as opposed to drilling it in you yeah, know we can really we can never get a drill to come up i planted because <clears throat> it's so wet there or what well this year was definitely because of the wet so, okay, well, so it's so wet, like an like airplane would just like, just enough to get it under the soil. And then it comes up. Well, if it's that yeah. wet, I imagine your drill, like your press wheels don't close the trenches up good either. That's probably so right. So it airs out. Yeah. yeah. Say there's, I mean, there's so many variables up there, but this year, I mean, it drowned out just because of the wetness. And it wouldn't, I don't think it'd been because of the trench wheels, because the, the farmer that put it in, he farms six seven thousand acres hmm. i mean he Big knows time. what the heck he's yeah. doing yeah yeah and you know I'm, i know i had trouble with that my planter this year where it was real wet Something right didn't come up but see it, they put it in didn't close up they yet. put it in the ground was right the ground was perfect they put it in everything was right and i i'm still thinking that there's just so much which we caught a little bit of a rain afterwards but not enough to drown it out i think but there's so much moisture in the ground that i mean my think. cover crop my cover crop, the little bit that's up might be an inch tall. Might be an inch tall. And I put it in the beginning of October. Dang, <laughs> like, like our cover's already 
Well, well you kind of so saw it. It's been so much warmer here. Though. Yeah, what have your temps been? Well, going through October, we were starting the day at starting the day in the average day low 30s, you know, right at freezing and going up to 50. That's not. Or going up to 60. I mean, you would think a cool season would still. So, what's like your highest temp been so far uh, since? Well, two days ago, we kind of had some. We've had some warm days. We've had some extremely warm days. Two days ago, it was seventy-four degrees. You know, that kind of also makes me. You got cool seasons in. What did you plant? I put in cool season, the annual cool seasons, radishes, purple top turnips, Korean. Well, you think radishes would still grow? You'd think Korean clover. So, okay, but want a radish die once it freezes or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they die and they put off a freaking terrible aroma. But see, that was the thing. Oh God, it's awful. Really? I tell you what, here's a story for you. <laughs> we had 480 acres of freaking straight radishes and turnips directly south or directly north of a house that we've sowed five years ago, or had flown on five years ago, and it was freaking, you know, perfect, nice, immaculate, immaculate. So much freaking matter out there. Oh, yeah. But where the freeze came in and it literally hit that stuff, killed it. And you would not believe the people that lived in that house had to move out. And we had to pay their rent for a few <laughs> Really? It was so bad. Like their clothes stunk. Radishes or turnips? I didn't know that. Was it radishes? I don't know how much the turnips smell. I don't think turnips smell, but the radishes are awful once they freeze. I didn't know they did that. It's crazy. I put some in a deer plot. Hey, you got a little yeah, in there. Put a bunch in there. I leased that ground. We leased that ground for for winter, just winter forward. And that's what we're going to do. And it was a mutual agreement. And that was just what happened. Another thing with that cover, though, that you were saying earlier with the soil temps. I mean, that, that's why I want to do it so much. They say the soil temperature would be like 20 degrees lower. Oh, it's like low days. 80s, yeah, upper it, 70s. I mean, it's still, the clock will still thrive, but the... In it's between keeping, the rows are covered. It's keeping your soil in production. You know, once that soil hits 90, 95 degrees, it loses 35, 40 percent. Josh, how much oh, uh, land do you rip down here? Rip? Do you rip any? Yeah. We rip. Okay, we ripped the pivot this year because, like, the plant, it's on 40 inches. All of our cotton is on 40 inch spacing, and it's got plenty of water. And it just won't grow. Like it won't take off and like get a big like get a big old fluffy plant. So we ripped it, but we have a pivot over in Tillman County that it has the salt that the wells the wells are just so salty that we'll rip it every year. Like if you ain't got the moist like when you plant cotton on it, if you ain't got the moisture to to uh, get the cotton up, like you don't want to turn the pivot on because the water's so salty that it'll hurt the germination. Yeah, that's how salty it is. Like you don't want to chance salty it. At home too, or yeah. we have wells and you stuff. You don't yeah, you don't want to chance it. So we rip it because we also spread uh gypsum. I think it's either gypsum or lime. I think lime helps your pH. Yeah, lime's B helps your pH. Yeah, and gypsum is helps with your salt. So the gypsum, what the gypsum does, it binds with that salt and it helps when you get rains. And it helped that salt leach down. So we rip so the water will push it down into the deep into the ground, help it leach down. So we rip a little bit, but like as far as dry land goes, 
we don't like to rip because we just we'll keep we'll keep putting cover out there. We don't want nothing to blow because we we hate rotary hoeing. We can't stand it. It's just too much work. We ain't got enough help to rotary hoe. If you just rip, it wouldn't. Do you think it would make it blow? Even if you had, you know. Well, I mean, on on the dry land. I mean, what if do you we, like if on thirty we, inch rows with the ripper? Is it thirty inches spread on the? I don't shelf? know what that spacing is. That's what on my parents' land we're running into the problem. There's a pan underneath there, a pan. and it's not letting anything grow. Absolutely, in this, this. What kind of ripper do you, do you all have? A ripper? No, no. We actually have somebody else farming it, just the farm ground, and then we're running cattle. But the I'm just kind of piecing stuff together, and uh, we had cotton on it last year. And, uh, what did, what did the cotton plant look like? What do you what space are you all on? It oh, I I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. Can you stick your foot between the row units or can you not? Yeah, it's it's thirty or forty. I think I think, I think it's I think it's thirty. I think it was thirty. If you can't stick but your I foot mean, between it, it's a thirty. I think yeah. I think I think two hundred two hundred acres. Don't quote me on this. Made three modules. Oh shit. And then Sesame, Fuck. yeah, Sesame <laughs> didn't do worth a shit. Well, well, dang, I think that I thought the Sesame would do good because Sesame has a has good, good taproot tap on it, and it'll like it'll, it'll reach, it'll reach the moisture. I don't, I, I think there's a pan under there. Which cotton does too? Not, it may not have. Uh, cotton does. Do y'all do disc it a bunch before? Has it, it always was, been disc? Because if you disc a whole bunch, oh, it just those birds will just create a hard pan because they're just scooting across yeah. the ground. Yeah, you know, it creates it's, it's been VT. What kind of is it? Sandy, like gumbo, or is it it's, red? It's it's red. Oh, it's red. well, you're just screwed all around then. But <laughs> I, not not it's it's good. Quit plowing, cover cropping up. Well, I remember when I was younger, it made like. What'd y'all do with it? Made, it made good wheat. I want to say like almost fifty into the sixties. Like right. wheat, you don't have to go down very And, deep, and you know? it was it was fine. But anything else, I think that pan. It's, it you can watch. Is it flat or does it have terraces in it? It has terraces, and now the channels are just great. But that I think when that I'd be scared to rip that it pan down. ain't even letting anything go down into the ground. Yeah. See, that's no, why we're sitting it right now, right now at home. That hard pan sitting there. Yeah, the, water I think it's serious. We've literally had so much water that if we get a quarter inch of rain, it's like we're flooded. I think ripping is better wow. than plowing though. I don't think it disturbs the soil I so think, much. It just lets the water leach down. I think paratillin is. The, them, them straight ripper shanks. Not like a big ox. Right. Like that, the new, that, like, like, that like bring up clods, you know? It's like a straight ripper yeah. shank. So like on our bedded ground, we ran a paratill, and it's a ripper shank. It goes down and then over. Like yeah, this. I know what you're talking about. So like on your, rip, on your bedded ground, we would run it on the side of the bed, and it would rip... Pretty much underneath, kind of like this, on the side of the bed, and it would it did so it did a lot, but that was better ground though. You know, it did really good for us. But I think for dry land, I think just I got some neighbors that are they're no tilling. They've been no till for five or six years probably. And they, the only thing they do is when they do till their ground is they pull that like a laney ripper, straight shank ripper. Yeah, and we have a laney they, ripper, and thing. they rip it some, you know, but they don't plow no more. They just rip it to. For the compaction that their cattle put on it and all that, and they just keep it ripped. See, About every two or three years, they go and rip it, and it's, see, it's if, great because they don't. It don't even road. Like when it rains, it don't. 
you can't even tell Ripper went through it. You just see a little line. They don't bring up clods or nothing. It's just, it's that's it's a great nice. deal. See, like our like, uh, my pet peeve is like when we rip, the ground soft, and I always run the sprayer. Mm. Them skinny ass tracks. You just you the whole time you're just like, I don't, I got stuck one time because we ripped. The sprayer sunk. I got we ripped it and I went in there and sprayed. And it was with that paratil. So I don't bring up any clods. It's just, it kind of just makes a slice in the ground. And yeah, I hit a soft spot and I got stuck. But I think if you rip, you gotta, I think the best way to do it is, and with our soil, is you rip it, you should chisel it, and then run like a turbo mac or something to pack down a little bit of your topsoil so it ain't so soft. Cause then it's just powdery. And soft and even like our them great or them uh sunflower drills are so heavy and they just sink in that ripped ground like they don't plant See, our it. ground is getting so tight it, we don't get the, as much rain but yeah just it don't take long it's hard to rock again so the guy that we co-op with down at uh south texas that we used to co-op with they rip every year every every acre yeah, I'd hate to be the tractor. Yeah, that. no joke. And they run, uh, and their ground is like, uh, it's like white. It's weird. Wade, do y'all rip much? Yeah, uh, mostly our corn ground. We will rip our uh, cotton ground too, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> With the land all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that land all, I think it's like a 21, 20, something like that. Chisel chopper. Um. Our wheat ground will get ripped, and our and our, co our cotton ground will get ripped too. But um, sometimes we'll leave things for a no-till operation, or we'll strip till. Yeah, I saw your strip till going. That's strip till. I wish I had that. a strip till. For uh, do y'all have a strip till? Oh yeah, and I think we're gonna get another one. I'm a big believer. What's y'all's what brand of strip till do y'all have? Orth Orthman. Mm -hmm. We have a Bingham Brothers, and I don't. We're gonna get another one because I think we're gonna strip till a lot of a lot of dryland this year like so we can't get okay we could on our dryland because the plant doesn't get too big so i think we could intercede with a plane to get radishes and all that in but we just didn't so we'll just plant right after we get the cotton out plant right this year and i think it would help if we could do it with a plane it would help with the compaction but since we didn't, we did do the rye this year. And that has a better root system than a wheat plant does. But every plant this year on every farm, except for one, was bent over. Like we couldn't haul ass. I like, you know, that. like, like when you were stripping, like you could haul ass through y'all stuff. Like us, sometimes. kind of. Well, your dry land. Sometimes. Y'all like your dry land. Well, like, dry land, we could haul ass because we didn't have anything there. Right. Like our dry land, like you couldn't, you couldn't go no faster than like five because every plant was laid over. Mm. So like when you would strip it, it would hit it over real hard. Well, it throw bowls, bowls off mm -hmm. and, you know, and throw it on the ground. That's why you built those little deals to weld on the Right, to, to help pick up every, you know, every plant. I saw that. Yeah. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I was proud of it. I got, it, I got it from Tex. He, he sent me the photo. His grandpa came up with it. Did he put that on that V2000 or whatever? Yeah, that's what, te that's what Tex told me. But he, uh, he sent me the uh, photos, and then I 
uh, I made some thicker pieces of metal. I think they were like three-eighths maybe or something. Anyways, but I think it's, every plant was laid over because of the compaction problem. It can't make a good root system to help the plant stand up better, stand up. to stand straight up. That makes sense. And, and if you get a better stand, it'll each plant will help each other out stand up, you know. Mm -hmm. But on 30s, I think it's okay because each plant is closer, mm -hmm. so it helps each other stand up. Now, 40s, since it's farther away, which what plant population do you plant on 30s? Do you remember? Um, it depends on if it's... Uh... Well, you're They're irrigated or not. Um, our irrigated stuff will probably plant at like 60,000. Dang, that's a lot. That, that, that's a maximum. What do y'all do? Yeah. About so normal is 50 to 55,000. That's still a normal. Right. But our dry land will do anywhere from 30 to 40. Right. I do 30, about 32,000 is what I'll have my dry land. Mm -hmm. On that's our irrigated, we plant either 45 to 48. On your dry land? Irrigated, sorry. Oh, okay. Irrigated. Irrigated to 40 to 48. And on dry, it was like 28,000. And I think we should bump it up. I don't know. I really want to try some Dynagro. Because they, they did, that variety around here did good. You don't have Dynagro? No. You've all built a We've product? never planted Dynagro. I love Dynagro, but I just, I went potting this year. But Yeah. I think what I've ever planted was Fibermax. But so we don't I, have I any think Fibermax we have done. Here. I think we have done Delta yeah. Was there any fiber max around Alsace this year? That yeah. You know of? Yeah. Yeah, there was actually more this year than there was last year. And uh, it was because a, a guy picked up some ground from a previous farmer that got out, and he was a diehard fiber max guy. So I think he kind of felt obligated he better plant fiber max mm -hmm. to keep his landlord happy, you know, because he yeah. took over all of his ground. But I don't know. I think since all of our dry land, is every plant you know was bent over not standing up straight i think we we could either we could have done the radishes with the plane but we didn't so our next plan b i think we need to run our strip tail rig so if there's a good strip there that's loose dirt so when we plant that cotton seed in that strip that them roots can go down and grow and make a good establishment where it stands a up. lot less energy to make your roots thin. yeah yeah and i think it'll get a better start because we also put fertilizer down with it okay so we I, do liquid ask are y'all gonna put y'all putting down with an electric pump a wheel drive pump or hydraulic hydraulic, hydraulic. okay so we use a hydraulic pump and we have a little foot switch yep we got okay. we have foot switch too okay every time we come to the end of the row we hit that foot switch and lift up turns our it off tail. Turns it off, we turn around, put it back in the ground, hit that foot switch again, turns the fertilizer back on, keeps on going. What's the cost per acre on your fertilizer? You, you know, do you know? When you Depends put on what kind of fertilizer you use. Yeah, and how much you're putting down. I don't remember how much we put down on pre-plant on our dry land. I'm not sure. I know we did a variable rate because we also mixed in some uh, tray fix, which is a zinc. Some of our field, because we do uh, soil samples on yeah. some of our dry land, and it was real deficient in <coughs> zinc, so we binded it with our 3200 nitrogen, that liquid, put that zinc in there with it, and we did a variable rate, and you put this prescription into your monitor, 
and it knows what rate to run throughout the field. Isn't that crazy? It depends on what we're strip playing for. Um, I'm pretty sure, mainly for Quan, we do majority 32. And uh, we have done a place for custom strip tilling. But uh, we put out 40 gallons an acre of 32 double O. That's what we had to do for corn. Oh, there's been some places for that. I mean, I think I'm, we might have put out 50 gallons an acre for corn. And that's mainly custom stuff. Damn, you aren't refilling a bunch. Yeah. God. I've done a lot What's of that? With a thousand gallon tank? Yeah, it's with a thousand gallon tank. What's that divided by 50? I don't know. 200 acres? No, 20 acres? Right? Yeah. Uh, my phone's down Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have, like, those double comb bottoms like you have out here at yeah. Central Barn. We'll have yeah. those, and they'll be plumb full, and we'll burn through a whole double comb bottom tank pretty easy. Yeah, for sure. So, but, I mean, that's that's mainly for uh, people that'll, you know, produce that for, like, silage and stuff. They're going to produce their corn for silage. We, we Or that's for the custom recommended what they wanted to do. So um, what if they didn't want it just for harvest? I think mainly we run about 30 gallons an acre if we're gonna just harvest the corn. I, I think if, so you, why I think they, if you have the money to spend to put 32 double O out at that at that rate, then you know. So what? Yeah, you'll probably. What have makes them think like that? Like, why is it that they want their silage? Does silage bring more than what just harvesting it does? Are people that feedlot just guys? feedlot people. Yeah. If you can grow a bigger plant, that's just more pounds. That you're yes, putting. and it it all goes down into feed. See, and like harvesting it, you want it all here. Right. You okay. want all that to be energy to be produced in your corn. So if it's all produced into just pure plant growth, then you're just going to have a lot more silage for feed. I see. see that's one thing about like you know at home, a lot of people will bale straw right behind we harvest. Right. Bale straw and then they'll ammoniate it. They'll throw ammonia into it and it actually can jump your protein level in your straw. How do they throw ammonia into it? Well, it'll jump your protein level one to 1.2%. But what you do is you, you stack these bales in stacks, 70 bales per stack, and then you put one ton of ammonia on, or in hydrosilin, into a stack. But you yeah, tarp you your that? stack. You tarp your stack, close your ends off, and then you just run your ammonia. Oh, you just trap it in there like a sealed. Like cat. Or you're in high you need to elaborate. Let, let it ferment in, basically. Yeah, let it ferment in through enclosure. Huh. Like completely enclose the whole hay, hay stack? You run a stack from the bottom of your side tarps will be halfway up the side of your bottom bale. Go over the top to the bottoms or the halfway down your bottom bale on the other side. Right. And then you got tarps that you can throw over the ends to help with the process. Hmm. And then you just what? They just fumigate it with yep. anhydrous ammonia. Yeah, and it jumps your. <laughs> it jumps your protein. They just put a hose in there. Open pretty the valve, Billy. Let her run. That's really? Pretty much it. Yeah, we do it on some. My brother-in-law and sister, they did it this year. They did it on ten stacks, seven hundred bales, uh, and then like what a whole tank, and they'll just one ton per seventy bales. I don't know how big a tank is. Okay. Well, one ton per 70 bales. Um, but then, like, some of them guys, like, some of them guys up there that sell silage, like, that's one thing they'll do is they'll run 
extra anhydrous into their ground just because they can get so much more, not sell silage, but cut silage for themselves. Some of them backgrounders or people who are just diehard set on cutting that 80 over there for silage, they'll run extra anhydrous ammonia into the ground to jump the protein level and then jump your just pure mass above the ground in your plant. Like it's, hey, it's I don't really do any of that. How much anhydrous do you guys use? We don't do anhydrous. No. And I wish we would. Because There's it doesn't. People that do it anymore. It's, they're afraid to get hurt. Yeah, but I think if you did use it, because anhydrous doesn't leach down. No, it's a great. I mean, we love it when we use it. We yeah. don't do it no more. But, but what it does, it kills your microorganisms up to like six weeks after you put it down. Six, it takes like six weeks for your microorganism to come back, and that's why we quit using it. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either, but I can I can see, I can that. see that. Thinking yeah. about some of the some of the operators around home that use it. Yeah, I mean, looking at that, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's ahead. it's cheaper too than liquid. I have one farmer around Olton that I know of that still runs anhydrous, and they have they haul their own anhydrous with a semi with a big old tank, and they they haul it to the field, and they have a massive dolly that that drags behind their uh, applicator plow. Yeah. And they fill that thing up by themselves. I guess they got all the license and everything for it. Dang. And they haul their own hand hydrous. They fill up their own tanks and they apply it all themselves. But that's, Let her buck, dude. There's yeah. only like one person around where I'm at that, See, that does it. Up home, everybody. Everybody's around uh, there. Depending on where you're at, I think, it, well, I think here right now it's cheaper than liquid. And it, uh, here, they haul it into our gin. We have huge uh, tanks. That the A cord. We are. I see those tanks up there. Yeah. Get the gin. I yeah. didn't know that was in the tank. Yeah, they are. A cord hauls into them. They have nice trucks. I mean, if you can afford to, you know, kill your hands to haul in hydrants. <laughs> well, then we up, we upgraded all of our tanks. It was dangerous. Our older tanks. We upgraded all of our tanks, and they're a little bit more safer. But just. Just think before you do it, you know, not right. be dumb. Yeah. Well, that's anything about the farm and think before you do something. Yeah. It's all <laughs> Everything dangerous. we do every day is dangerous. Yeah. Ain't no kidding. It's like trying to tag baby calves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gosh. one thing I do not enjoy doing is tagging baby calves. Dragon baby calves is a blast. Oh, yeah. I don't you never know it. what's going to happen. Every now and then. Oh, it's a good adrenaline rush. Am I going to get my ass planted today or not? How you wore out by it. The, the cow's just sitting there. I'm holding this calf between me and the cow, just keeping the calf run for me. And the cow's just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, bitch. I got to do this. How many mama cows do y'all run? Huh? How many mama cows do y'all run? Um, hell. Our, our operation, the guy that I'm working for right now, uh, 400, 500 mama cows, something like that. Yeah, that's where we want to get one day. And, uh, a lot of and, then, cows. and then we have the stalker calves that we buy yearly on top of that. Right. My uncle, you know, he does that purebred Red Angus operation. He runs about 300, 400 mama cows. Now. Yeah, heifers and mama cows right now. We drink cold beer, everybody. Sorry, but um, you like beer, then you'll like us. We need to take a break. Y'all run about 
500 of your own calves on session than buy 500 more usually? Or, uh, so, or no, you said you got 10,000 calves usually. Yeah, we, about, about total cattle that we run is about 10,000 head, roughly. Um, with all your pasture cattle. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But uh, we run say. about 500... I don't know. I don't know the full. Don't don't take me fully on this. I don't really keep track of the mama cow operation. But we run about 300, 400. You're the farmer in the operation. Like yeah, I like being the farmer. Hey, I, got, <laughs> I got free delivery nationwide if you guys need some bulls. There's a lot of feedlots down your area when we're down there. I yes, there's a But they're disappearing. They are disappearing. And whenever they disappear, they leave everything. Gloves, boots, Well, that one was shut down. That one shut down because they ran out of water, right? Yeah. That's sad. Like irrigation water? Yeah, their wells are no, dry. Just well water for water right. and cattle. Like, they run out of water. They, so these wells that these dairies are putting up, I mean, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 gallons for a well to water these cows. I mean, a big number of cattle. And um, they're running out of water, and so they're just going to keep on moving north. They're just gonna pick up everything. Um, I've walked through a dairy one time, and there are rubber boots, gloves, all kinds of shit just still laying there. Like they picked everything up, said, "All right, we're going," and they fucking left. Let me tell you what: if old Bernie gets in the office, I'm picking up and leaving. Get the passports. He ain't gonna get it. You better not. Shit. We could at least be better than the liberals out there and actually leave the country instead of them saying they're going to leave the country and not leave If the we country. all left the country, it would be nothing but a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, let's go make Canada a better place. <laughs> <coughs> make Canada great again. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Take note, though. Is shit going to go down in Virginia before we can decide... We're going to have an electric question. Dude, I'm counting on the second amendment. Uh, amendment. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am too. Have you looked at My that? vote is on no. that. That's fucking crazy. So, in January, Virginia is voting to make any gun owner with, within a specific, like... Um, if they have seven mag clips or higher, they're a felon overnight. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, there's 92 counties in Virginia, like I do believe. the first... You know, states in the if they get United this, States, right? Let's, that's where the revolution started. Yeah, that's where, so it's, that's where it's about again. to go again. Yeah, you would think. They're wanting another civil war. They're about to get. Like I said, uh, though, I mean, there's and all kinds of stuff about even gun com- companies, not necessarily like the NRA. Itself, well, the NRA stationed in Virginia. But, that's why they're going after Virginia. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, they're but, going after NRA. They're like, like people that train people with guns and stuff. They're saying. Don't come out here just ready to shoot somebody. Come out here with an open mind. Come out here to make a statement and say, hey. Don't come guns blazing yet. Right. Don't come guns Because that does nothing but go against what the Second Amendment stands for. We are coming here to support our Second Amendment right. And that's what we're going to come here. We're going to make a fucking visible statement right here. This is the people that came here to support there's a lot of people and, going to help and, them too. They, yeah, there's. A they lot. got a big. Did you hear about run. that rally they had in one county where they were expecting a hundred and there was like three thousand showed up? Oh, it's, whoa! In yeah, Virginia? but, they in Virginia. Also but see, they're having Virginia. these gun sanctuary counties where if it's a well, gun sanctuary county, then they're permitted to have them. 
But if one county votes against it, then they're all out. But so let's, let's, they're going to bring in quote unquote National Guard to do something. But what is the National Guard though? The National Guard is people who serve on weekends who still have to go sit by their neighbors in church yeah, and at their daily jobs. And they're saying that any law enforcement officer, sheriff, or cop that does not enforce deputizing his citizens to yeah. help with them. Yeah, yeah, but anyone that doesn't, they're the government out there is saying any law officer that does not abide by our rules, you are immediately fired and no, cannot be hired anywhere else in the state of Virginia to be a law enforcement officer that's because you will not enforce the law. That's going to rally more people to the cause. It's a crazy and, and the And the military, they are sworn to protect the Constitution and the people of the United States and their rights. And we have the Second Amendment. It's government overreach for damn sure. I know one well, fucking if, if they get by with it in Virginia, they're going to damn sure come after the other 49 states. So we just got to get ready. Well, here's the thing. We can't let it happen. This is going to start with guns, but it's going to trickle down to taxes. It's going to trickle down to everything where, I mean, if it goes in the right person's mindset way, you know, for all this to blow over, maybe we have a fight breakout, maybe we just make a statement and move on that – it could potentially be one of them deals that we're done putting up with shit. Now we're going to get our taxes lowered. We're going to get our otherwise because why in the heck? Why in the heck did we have a Boston Tea Party? Why the heck was there fights back then? We left freaking Britain because of taxation. Because it's theft. I mean, the same thing exactly is happening here in 2019 in this ugly, cruel world that we live in. Well... I just hope we go to heaven, honestly, before all that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the thing is, though, how much of it's actually going to be broadcast because c.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.n.
But we're not going to speak for you. Yeah, we'll take an endorsement deal, though. So I flew out to Memphis. Memphis. Right. Lawton to Dallas. We get to Dallas. That's a you know, big airport. And me and my dad, we, ate, we got a breakfast at 7 o'clock at Whataburger. Oh. And then them fucking paper straws. No way. Yeah, I was like, the fuck is this? We, we, you know? We, I, could get, I, I thought that was a joke. No, that's a real, real deal. I didn't know they were real. That's different. And I started sucking on it. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it just collapsed, you know? It was dumb. Red River, New Mexico had it. On plastic North in the ocean, 90% of that trash that gets put in the ocean is from the third world countries. Really? Like I'm overseas, like they don't I have mean, no regulations. We're, yeah, we're overseas. With all yeah, that is true. I mean, I imagine some of it. You know, a lot the bad of thing is like the LA guy who too, invents but... this invented the deal to pull trash out of the ocean gets no recognition. But what's I heard about that? I mean, yeah, it's good. Greta is speaking for the Democrats. She's person of the year via Times Magazine. Yeah, no. She's just telling. Yeah, you know, it's just a scary. She's talking about stuff she gets told to talk about. She just. Read the script and she's crazy. Did you hear that? She was going on a she was going on a, a hunger strike. She was going on a hunger strike until changes were made. She would not go to school or she would not eat. So she's throwing a temper tantrum. I say well, I let her do it. Not make any changes and let her starve to death. I was gonna say Texas is gay, but it's not. Because well, it's it's, oh, are we talking about the person or the state? Because you could be right in one of those sentences. I wish. Oklahoma, I have an epiphany. I've had this epiphany for a while. So, Texas has 30, 75. You know, that's like the speed limit everywhere, right, Wade? Yep. Pretty, pretty much. much like everywhere, 75. Driving through a school zone, 75 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Look out, kiddies, you're just 100 points waiting to happen. So, seriously, in Oklahoma, you know, it's like on any unmarked road, it's 55. And then most of your, yeah. Cowboy County's 45. Yeah. County's 45. Okay, oh, well, ja- Jackson. Okay. Any unmarked road is 55. And then your a two-lane split highway with the median in it is 70. And then, of course, you know, like, going up to the city, Oklahoma City, it's 75 on the turnpike. Anyways, the state could make money if, they, if you could just buy a permit to go faster. Put a sticker on your car. That way, the state can make money, and you can just go faster. Hell of a deal, right there. Like Hell how they radar you, and it takes some. You mean like a? Uh, well, like say if if you don't have it, like okay, like say if uh, the hypo sees you speeding, and he's gonna turn around and come after you. He sees a sticker like on the back or of your car, or, or yeah, or if he just runs your tag and notice in your tag when he runs it. On your tag, like it shows that you have the permit that you paid for to go faster. And you would definitely pay for it. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I will say though, on these shit roads down here, it makes sense. Like, why would I was scared the state not 75. do that? They can make money. So yeah. many people they will make pay more for money that. Off speeding tickets. Or you could be in Texas and go seventy-five, where y'all say sixty-five, and go eighty-five, where y'all say seventy-five. Texas, no state. charge. I lost you there, so. Hell, average speed limit at home on a two-lane highway with good uh, shoulders on each side, 60. Yeah, I mean, any unmarked, well, I'm not saying that we Oh, it ain't that bad. 
We're I, crazy. Close, I creep everywhere I go. I don't ever drive fast. I drive like a grandpa everywhere I go, but whenever I cross the border, I drive like a fucking bad out of dick. Bad out of dick. Bad out of dick. Bad out of hell. Bad out of hell because everything is fucking 40, or not 45. I was reading the time on that thing. But, um. <laughs> You're drunk. What a goose. You silly goose. I drive like 65 whenever I get into Hollis. And I have a problem. That's the worst. I have a problem with that. Yes. big problem. Stupid. Like rising in Oklahoma, I feel like you're creeping. Yes. Because the damn highways are so damn rough. And like my foot. You gotta slow down. My foot has this automatic setting to it that goes 75. That setting is called The weight of your foot is like perfect. Yes, it is tight. I do have cruise, oh. but whenever I don't use cruise, and I like, you know, I don't know. Position your foot just yeah, right. Yeah, it's just positioned, and I'm just like, well, I'm out of this town. Set five. Oh, no, that's over the speed loop. I uh, got it. Oh, no, that's so much work to ease my foot back off of 75, and then you have to use muscle to back your foot True off definition. of. True definition. So, so much effort. effort. Oh, you so much effort. Buy Jeep, and you don't even have cruise. My cruise went out about a month ago. <laughs> Or not? I think you have water in your door. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Ford had a pool door on the side. Thank God she holds three point two gallons. On the bright side, if my side of the pickup ever caught on fire, I'd goddamn know where to fucking get some water. <laughs> Old pool door. <laughs> pull the fucking All right. Anyway, off. back to farming. What do you want to talk about? Well, I'm still on this damn permit. Seriously. <laughs> like, the state could make money. And I want to go faster. I really don't like driving. <laughs> they said the same thing about toll roads, and they still don't fix them roads with all the money they make. Ours? Well, H. E. Bailey, H. E. Bailey Turnpike. It's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. You go to all the others, though. And shit, I was scared. Around Is that the only turnpike we have? We have Kilpatrick. We got Kilpatrick. That's a big one. And it's well, nice. Quit killing the guy. That Are you talking about Missouri? Road. You talking about in Oklahoma? That'll be good. Hell no, Missouri don't charge you to go through freaking tolls. We ain't got that gay oh, shit. Oh, don't tell me well, that. That's how we make the money. You, speaking of which, are you going to get some tickets in those new Peterbilts on your way back? Or they have taxes? Uh, okay. Is there any way they can send you a ticket? Okay, so, what our sa- I don't have my CDL, <laughs> but what our safety guide told us, if you're not pulling nothing, plus there's no tag on it, you don't have to have your CDL. Just be like well, driving, just driving a, a brand new truck on. Yeah, see how just be like driving on. a pickup, driving a stick, pretty much. Hmm. But that's in Oklahoma. So when I was in Tennessee, it could have, I mean, we don't know what the rules were. But Memphis is like right on the edge of Tennessee. So we were only in Tennessee for maybe 10 miles or I something like Memphis. that. Did you have to go over the Paducah? Yeah. Bass Pro. Bass Paducah Bridge. You've been inside Paducah that Bass Pro shop? It is. Fine as wine. Yeah, I wish we could have gone in, but that we got in and we cool. left. We were ready to get home. You can get a get a hotel room in there. Really? There's a, there's a restaurant like in the middle. There's a like what a big yeah, ass freestanding. Cafe or something? There's a free freestanding elevator that goes all the way to the top of the very it's very top it's of the tip of it. There's a restaurant at the top. I never been to that one, but I went to the one in uh, the new one in Springfield, Missouri. Is it Springfield? Yeah. Well, they, well, that's they, where Bass Pro Shop started. Was Springfield? They got that NASCAR. So in. yeah, they just that's added badass, that. and that aquarium was badass too. But they that, just added that. That pyramid take you all day long. Bass Pro. Oh yeah, it was some. It was another company. It was some kind of 
that went um, bankrupt and then Bass Pro bought it out and built their own. Wait a minute, were they farmers? There's some kind of convention yeah, center. Yeah, I bet they were. It was some kind of convention center is what it was. So Bass Pro didn't start in Memphis? I always thought it, no, it started because that was the big Missouri's old So old is old that old. one a big old? It's badass. You need to go. It's a big, big, big Bass Pro. Yeah, it's pretty good. The aquarium was like... They just I never wanted to walk through the fucking aquarium. They added a NASCAR deal and an outdoor exhibit and aquarium. The aquarium is work. Outdoor exhibit? They got animals there? Like stuffed and such. I mean, oh, taxidermy. I ain't seen the outdoor deal. I've been been there for years. Well, it just got finished. They got a... I've been to the one in Oklahoma City. They got all the the Bass Pro cars in there. Topgolf. NASCARs? I don't know if you're... Keep up NASCAR at all, like Austin Dillon. You watch NASCAR? Oh yeah, that's it's boring. No, it how do you like it? But they got Austin Dillon's car for Coca Cola Six Hundred, where he got up in the fence at Daytona and ripped it all in half. Like there was nothing left but the fucking cage. He ripped the motor, the whole front end was gone. It's just completely cut off in his legs. And he crawled out. He was fine, but they had that rest of that car in that in there, and they had the video showing his wreck in the Bass Pro. <clears throat> in Missouri? Yeah, Springfield, Missouri. It's crazy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. To look at that car and wonder how he walked away, it was crazy. Ladies Dang. and gentlemen, I'd like to shout out the number one drinker of the night, MVP, Carson Matthews, as he has a pile of beer. <laughs> he does. <laughs> right Cracking number nine, and you should see him shoot a basketball. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't run. Bunch of yellow bellies stacked up. <laughs> He's got one silver bullet. Two. Yellow bellies are so good. Man, they fill you up quick. Oh my god. Had one in my life. Fat and really? see it. You should get out more. What are you missing? I drink bush lights, I don't miss anything. Today is your day. You miss a lot of shit. (laughs) Dude, last time I drank Coors I got drunk at National Western Stock Show. And ended up buying a $3,800 bread heifer that was a freaking main on. That's what you do when you drink beer. You get drunk. Did you show up in? I mean, show cash? Oh, yeah. We won Missouri State Fair a couple times with Marcus Steer. With your own or with the ones you sold to other people to show? Like, like you actually showed it? Yeah. yeah. Big like, time. My sister, my sister, like we won. Uh, Big money. We reserve at American Royal. Which, if you know American Royal, it's up there in Kansas City. It's one of them big national shows. We were reserved there one year. The steer at State brought 25-5. Um, I mean, we had a lot of luck with it. We just showed crossbred, crossbred market animals, market steers. One our county, one our region. Birth, or did y'all buy them? Both. We did some from birth, but them cattle they produce up there, you know, club calf-wise and Weston Springs, South Dakota area. In Missouri, when y'all show pigs, do y'all make them grow hair? Put it, put the hair on, like make them real good and put fluffy? Or do y'all shave? Pigs? Pigs? No. no. Okay. So in Colorado, they put the hair on. On pigs? No. On... Okay. You said no, 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 pigs. Sorry. <laughs> I did? You said pigs. I'm silly. Anyways. Texas Slickshire's cattle. Yeah. Yeah, see, we... We put, which I like, I like slick shearing cattle. I think that's a good thing. The, but if, up in Missouri, hairy, like, you know? I mean, we had a cool room and we kept 45 yep. degrees year round. Well, all through summer and uh, fall and, I mean, late spring, of course, keep them cattle in a dark environment where their hair could grow and such. But, yeah, we definitely did a lot of. Slick shear shows a natural animal. Yeah, it does. Hair it is, does. Hair is just hair. You well, know? hair helps with the profile, but 
Like, a judge still feels the same a, thing a whenever he goes steer, up there and feels the finish side of the steer. But you want to know, right, the, you know the shits yeah. of this whole show world deal anymore? Is politics. That, oh, it's politics. It's oh, big time it's politics. Yeah. Like, one steer I bought. The steer that the steer that won State Fair, we bought him as a bull out of a pasture. Like, don't get me wrong. We looked through 4,500 4, calves that week that we went up there. And we bought him as a bull. We brought him home and cut him. But we bought him for seventeen hundred bucks, and because he's a bull, and took him and did what we did with him. Now I've also so you bought, think you bought paid animals that for much twenty. All the feed that you gave him, oh, and yeah. all the time, and you still came out on the end, money ahead. Yeah, I mean, hell, we were in high school. What else were we gonna do? I mean, we weren't gonna go work anywhere because we had our own farm, of course. Uh, but like. That steer, the cool thing about that steer was he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't do nothing. So we actually, every day, three times a day, we had to cook him hominy. We cooked him hominy and fed it to him so that he'd eat. Hominy? What's that? Hominy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys never heard of hominy? Never heard of it. So hominy, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's a, it's a white ball it's and corn. like. Do what? It's corn. It is corn? It is. It might be corn. It's like, but it's a white ball that's like bigger than a pea. You know, not quite the size of an olive. And I mean, it just gets real soft and real mushy. And there's a lot of nutrient value to it. I mean, so people eat it. It's that small and you give it to a calf? Yeah. I eat hominy a lot. I like hominy. Some that you like chop up and mix up in their feed? Or you just Blake, give it... I'm no, we just cooked it in crock pots. Like, we had three co- Mark my crock words. pots. I will there. show up at your house with a can of hominy and you're going to fucking pour it in a, a can like you're cooking, like, regular, like, cream corn or something, and you're going to heat it up and you're going to eat that hominy and it's going to be delicious. Hominy's good. I did that hominy. You put it in a crock pot overnight and then you pour it on the feed in the next morning. Yeah. Huh. We're money Just help some meat. I what? guess I've been it, lost this whole time. I've it, never heard of it. I don't know what it did. We fed it to, we fed it, we bought it dry one year, and we put it in a, bought it dry and ground, and that's what we rationed our cattle with instead of DDG, because it was pretty cheap at the time. Coarsely ground corn used to make grits. Yeah. I did a, huh. it was a coffee can, poured it into a crock pot, filled it up with water, and uh, what you did that in the afternoon. And then the next morning, poured it on the feed, and then fed the show calf. And then I. It I looks kept... like that, but it's fluffy and delicious. It gets soft. Yeah. Huh. It I just gets left soft. that thing on, it? on. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's it's, it's pretty blind, of the tasting of it. But like cattle, I guess that was just a, a filler or something. Hmm. Just made him go back on feed with beet pulp. I think it was like some kind of beet pulp. That was a filler. It was it was a uh, some kind of caffeine, beet pulp, that hominy or something else. So uh, Vitafirm, a little cup of that Vitafirm. Hmm. Everybody used that. Vitafirm. Don't get me wrong, you can you can drain a lot of money into a show animal and not gain nothing. But if you know what you're doing, you do it right, and you know what your end product needs to be, and you make it get there. I was six pounds overweight at Tulsa when I was in like. Second place, first place. Anyway, they kicked me out. So six pounds. Walked them out of the ring and took a big old shit. 
I gave them water that day. If you go back, like, at Tulsa, you got to weigh in, and then as soon as you show, if you're in, like, the top three in a class, you got to go have a way back. You only get, like, a 15% or 20%. Not even that. I think it might be 10 or 15%. I don't think there's no leeway. That you can have gain, like, gain back. Because, of course, people want to weigh their cattle in light, get in a lighter class, let them bulk up so that they're bigger, you know, and they stand out. So tired. So you only have 10 to 15% that you can have for way back. See, like Tulsa, one place we never showed. Houston, never showed. Denver, we never showed. But, you know, American Royal, uh, OEF, Goldbuck Gala, State Fair. I mean, of course, our local fair, which we won almost every year, but that doesn't matter. I mean, that was just local. And pretty much what ended up is every year we would buy a good calf, and, or we'd, we'd go buy 30 or 40 calves straight out of the pasture. We'd go buy, me and my sister go buy 30, 40 calves, bring them back. We were both in high school and grade school and middle school, what the fuck everyone called it. And we'd break them and then we'd sell them through our club calf auction. Not auction, but club calf sale. And uh, so we'd go and we'd always keep one good one and then one spare that we knew we could still do something with sell at county auction whether it was first place or last place we spent enough money within our county that through our insurance through john deere dealerships through freaking banks all that other stuff you, we knew that we could have at least probably a 2500 to three thousand dollar base on that cap at the end of the year so we took our good steer we focused on him our good steers because there was three of us kids uh we really focused on them and we went and done really good with them to try to make our good premium. But then at the end, if we sold them, we also sold our calf at county, which then made money. Now, if you sell premium only, it's not terminal. You don't have to get rid of your calf. You just get your, your premium. So once that's sold, you sell the calf to killer or sell the calf outright for butcher. Then you get your money for that. So you're technically selling three animals out of two. It's just about knowing how to, not going to say work the system, but know the system. Yeah. So, I'm going to say we came out money ahead pretty easily. I never came out ahead. I never did. I'm just showing anything. I never came out I ahead. showed one year. I showed pigs. And I made sale not with the pigs. I did a stalker program. It's like where you put, you, you take you four calves, uh, four heifers, or four steers, and you go up to Navajo Cattle Company. You know about them? Hmm. It's over at Navajo School. Anyways, and you weigh them, and it's a it's a it's an average daily gain. Yeah. Put them on wheat pasture. Once they get off, you go reweigh them. Whoever you know wins out of uh, our district. I never was, heard of that. Yeah, which was Duke, which was Duke. I don't know, the surrounding schools, you know, hmm. the radio and all that. that pretty much all Jackson County schools. That's pretty interesting. And I won sale on that, and it was easy. On that part, you didn't, I didn't have to do nothing. I just picked out four calves, put them on a wheat pasture, and that was it. I didn't have to pay for nothing. It, it, what, they weren't even my calves. They were just the farms, you know, and they let me wow. use them. So, but with the show pigs, I could have made sale, you know, had the opportunity, but I didn't. My brother did. But then I was like, this is too much work. Well, see, there's a lot that goes into it, though. I mean, 
Like, the sports. Oh, yeah. A lot that goes into it, especially on the side of the showmanship. If you're doing showman, like on the showmanship side, not a showmanship class, but the showmanship helps present your animal, and that's not learned through one year. That's learned through just doing it. I always, mm-hmm. I always got showmanship. Just doing it year after year after I, year. I, I only showed one year. I never did got some showmanship. Yeah. But... That next year, that's when I started trapping pigs, and I made a lot more money doing that. Because all that had to pay for was panels. They had to pay T-post or wire, because we already had it here. I got some good panels at a so metal about wild place. pigs, feral, feral hogs. And some metal <clears throat> to make my gates. Emsco? Yeah, Emsco steel. Yep. And then corn, that was it. I made days making a lot of money trapping pigs. You seen the new yeah. traps that you trigger off your phone and then they fall? And yeah, like they pivot like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that's crazy talking about things that trigger off phone. I've been doing some research on that, you know, just rotational grazing and reading up and whatnot. And they're literally the technology side of everything is going so far and beyond what I ever thought it would. They even got gates and electric fences. And such that you can go off your phone and do, like, open gate paddock to paddock two, shut off, electric fence, whatever. I mean, just so much. I'm not gonna call it stupid, stupid, but I mean, a person can literally go bale hay all day or go do whatever, be productive, and still get the most out of their ground by rotating your cows. And it's just crazy. You know, there's it's just insane. Technology's really come a long way. And honestly, I think it's gone a little bit too far. It has on some things. I mean, I honestly think that there's still a lot that doesn't need to be done off a phone or an iPad or whatever. Like on your guys' side with your soil samples and putting on the right amount of chemical or the right amount of uh, fertilizer in certain spots where it's deficient and it can link up with that, that's pretty cool, but... Yeah, that mapping's pretty cool. They add fertilizer and decrease it. Yeah, that's just, just it getting to be a little bit too much. You know, I I don't know. I It's making it too easy. And you don't really get... You don't gain You don't enough. gain what you need to. Not going to say dollar-wise, but self-worth-wise by running something off your phone. Like, you got to have some pride in what you do and knowing that you look at it and say... I agree. Do you have some pivots off your phone? I did that. Yeah. We've got 11. 11. That's a good deal, though, because it'll you know, notify you when something's yeah, wrong. For sure, the pivots that it. are on, that just, they go to a stop, you know? That way, you can just hit the hit it again, and, go, and it'll start reversing. Uh, so it doesn't just water in that one stop, that one spot at that stop. It detects you when it hits the stop. Yeah. And then it's like some of our older pivots that are junk that break down a lot. We'll put a, a system on it because they break down all the time. So we know we can go out there and get it fixed. Like we had one pivot that broke down and it was just fertilized in one spot. Oh. It killed all that cotton. Man. Yeah. Wade, them uh, pivots that run through them stops that you're sending to this group, how does that happen? Didn't you? Well, uh, <coughs> the, I mean, stop, it not? the stop was damaged. That are y'all talking about the one that ran into another pivot? Yeah. The stop was damaged at one point in time, <laughs> and uh, whenever the sprinkler got to that stop, um, there's little arms on the end tower, 
and they're going to hit a piece of solid pipe or something that's going to push that arm and it's going to trigger, trigger the electronic switch which is going to push it the other way. Oh, okay. Well, the, the stop was damaged and it shifted it over. And it missed the cylinder. it missed that and the rest of the tower just kept on moving and pulled the whole stop, concrete and all, just pulled everything up. Huh. And, and it drugged that stop all the way across the field. Good Lord. Well, there are two windshield like pivots right next to each other. And this windshield like pivot went through the stop and it went all the way until it ran to the other pivot. Oh man. So the first three towers was crossing over the other pivot. Ooh. And then whenever the end tower hit the other pivot, it knocked the other pivot down. So it, it, it was a mess. Tragedy. Yeah. Sounds like an expensive Wait, so game. why would you have two windshield like pivots? Question we ask ourselves today. <laughs> Like next to each other, like when like, like, one like, pivot could like, make a full revolution. Like, but like the the centers of the pivots are right next to each other. Like somebody owned. Oh, one okay. Half the quarter, and, and then the y'all bought it. Under owned the other half. Of the oh, quarter. I see. So, so one time, one time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was all one quarter. There were two pivots on one quarter. So two two inch of white pivots on one quarter. So. Hmm. Yeah, there there were two windshield wiper pivots on one quarter, and two guys shared it, eighty acres on each pivot. So it, it was it was a mess. We don't really talk about it. <laughs> whose whose fault was it, or was it anybody's fault? Uh, I'm not gonna say any names or point any fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't mine though. <laughs> we'll just say it was a problem with the handler not being raised. I know Stripper Miller. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, so you hit it when you turned around? I didn't say I did it. Oh. So when you went by, by, the, by the top, around, it hit the... By, by, by the time I got to that circle, uh, I was working on the inside out. Somebody else was already working from the outside in, so... Yikes. I didn't even get anywhere near the stop whenever I got done. <laughs> well, <coughs> it's well we're going to shut her down. It's almost midnight, people. You're about to get a butt chewing when yeah, you get home. Yeah, my wife wants me home. So, <laughs> everybody have a happy new year. God bless. It's a, it's my birthday on January 1st. Merry Christmas. Happy new year and happy birthday. Hey, Tucker's now. Well, we're sorry we got carried away and we talked over each other some, but until next time. Adios, amigos.